0: Thirsty Jesus has come rivers of living water he that believe scripture has said rivers of living. Water. Let's start to Deuteronomy chapter one <clears throat> Paul says in Acts 20, but none of these things move me, neither can I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course, that I might finish my course. I look this word course up, and it means a, a mode of dealing. See, what is the mode of dealing that God is engaged in as far as our personal lives. Well, for each one of us, it's different. It also means arrangements. So there are arrangements. We know in the natural there are certain arrangements, but we're dealing with our lives, the spiritual walk that we're in, your personal walk, my personal walk. And there are arrangements that God has set up that we will move into and out of we will come into circumstances and we will move out of circumstances and the lord will have certain things there waiting us temptations tests all these different things to work and to do and to possibly bring us to a certain point with him and so there is a course that is laid out for you for me So Paul says here, so that I might finish my course. Now, there's more than just finishing. We will all finish to some degree in this life. We'll we'll have our our, um, life from beginning to end, this whole course, different things that we've experienced, even in the Lord. We'll all come to the end of that. But the Lord wants us to come to a specific end He wants certain things accomplished. We are to finish the course a certain way. It's not just finishing it, but we are to finish it a certain way. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, see, the Christian is to take possession of what the Lord has provided. You are to take possession of that which He has provided. That which will be seen... And that which is unseen, we should take possession of. Because if we walk with Him, we will come to the unseen. If we're not so keen on on walking in His way and His will, then the unseen will remain unseen, but we will be responsible for even that unseen. Because we should have come to it so we could see. So you see in in the Gospels, for example, Jesus, we have the Scriptures. We read the Scriptures. We study the Scriptures. We hear the Word. We hear the Gospel. We see the light. Here you have Jesus. He's dealing with the Jews. He's dealing with the multitude. And here he is, the light of the world. But they never saw the light. Personally, they never saw it. So we can have all the correct doctrine in the Bible and never see, never come to sight. We can go to church for years and years and years. We can hear message after message after message. But that's no guarantee that we're going to possess. You know, we have to come to sight. From light to sight, we have to come. There has to be a, a change there has to be a turning. There has to be something that takes place in us. And I look and I see the young people in this church, and they have heard so much, so much. But that's no guarantee that you will see. No guarantee. There's no guarantee you could have grown up in the church, and there's no guarantee that you will possess. No guarantee. Now, the Lord wants that. You know, we can raise our children in the church, be here all the time, but that's no guarantee that they will see. So the light is there. The light comes forth all the time, the light, the light, the light. But will they see? In Deuteronomy 1, verse 8, Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them and to their seed after them. So the Lord has set the land before us, so to speak. But we are to go in and possess it. There is something that we are to take possession of. So as I said, we can be in church we can come to church. We can listen to a message. We can have the light portrayed in front of us and not see. And this is a common thing in, in Christianity. And It doesn't matter the church either. In chapter 1, verse 39. Moreover, your little ones, which you said would be a prey, and your children which in that day had no knowledge between good and evil, they shall go in thither. In other words, they're going to go into the land. They're going to possess the land. And unto them will I give it, and they shall possess it. So those that you would least expect will possess. Why? Well, there are various things, various reasons why. I want to go through this with you. Hopefully, we'll see something today, and not just hear. When you hear something brought out, hopefully, you'll see something, and maybe when you're reading and you're studying and you're before the Lord, something will happen. Maybe today in church, something will will shift, something will change. You'll begin to see something that you never saw before in spirit. Because we're dealing here in church, not with the natural, not with the physical, you know, you see, not with, you know, I heard that message, it was a good message. Not that. We're dealing with a spiritual realm, the realm of the spirit. And you, all of you, must penetrate somehow into that realm, or you're never going to see There must be something that occurs within us, that our eyes are open to something in spirit. And so it's not just church, church, church. It's not just the Bible. It's not just the message. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, uh, let's turn to first... No, let's just do... Let's go to Ephesians. The Bible teaches that... When we come to Christ, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. I hope I'm able to get through this today. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now, that in Christ, in that verse, and you see this throughout, especially Paul's epistles, that was accomplished at salvation. When we came in, when we responded to the Lord, this became uh, something that occurred now in our life. We became in Christ. That That was a place, that's a position that we were placed in. In Ephesians 1, verse 7 in whom, in Him, in Christ, however you want to say it, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. So, in Him is where we have been placed at redemption. That's where the Lord in spirit, see, this takes place you know, within us. We are placed in Christ. In Romans 12, it says, So we, being many, are one body in Christ. So that's something that is accomplished at salvation. Now, we're not going to deal with uh, the issue, can we? And I believe the the, the Bible teaches that we can move out from that place. But we're not going to deal with that. So in Christ is a starting point. In Christ is the place where we are to launch out into the deep. God has provided this area now, that we are placed in Him. But that's not the end, rather it is the beginning, and it is the only place that we can experience or begin to experience, or as we begin in um, Deuteronomy 1, to where we can begin to possess that which the Lord has laid out before in the course, as Paul said, that I might finish my course. What is the arrangement in your life, now that you are in Christ, what is the arrangement for you personally, in your circumstances, that the Lord has ordained uh, that you would see, you would experience, you would touch, it would touch you, it would upset the apple cart of your heart, or whatever it may be. What is it in your life now the Lord is taking you from and to? Are you walking with Him? Are you moving in His will? Are you becoming frustrated because of maybe what the Lord has placed on you or whatever? What's going on? So now the opportunity is sitting around us. We're in Christ. Now, uh, now, that is not a, a place How can I say this? To just sit back and say, okay, now everything is is good, everything is fine, and I'm in Christ, and I'll I'll, I'll just wait for the rapture and I'll wait to go to heaven. No, it is a, a launching place, a launching point, a place at which now we can experience the deeper things of God. And One of the things that I see in in Christianity, dealing with other other people, seeing other people, talking to other people, uh, being around other Christians, is that there is this lax attitude as far as walking and living for Christ and coming coming into possession of that which is in the spiritual realm that which the Lord has out there for us to obtain, that will be, put it this way, that will become a deeper life in us, experiencing that. So what does it mean to be in Him, in Christ? Well, one of the things, and I heard Charles Hahn talking about this a long time ago, he, he talked about what it means to be in Christ is, is that we must become of the same character as Christ. So there must be a movement in our heart and our life to become Christ-like. See, so if we are in Christ, we are going to take on some of the characteristics to some degree of Jesus Christ. And in Romans 8:29, for whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate or He did determine that we would be conformed or that we would be changed and formed into His image. See, So that is not an automatic thing. See, We must walk with the Lord in our, our life, life, in our circumstances, in our responsibilities, whatever it may be, to fulfill His will and purpose in our life to move into certain things. In Philippians, real quick, Philippians 3, we're going to be around Ephesians in a little bit here, because there's verses there I want to show you. Philippians 3, 9, and be found in him. That actually is in the realm of possibility, but Paul is talking about something further than just being in him. He's talking about counting everything but loss. Then he says, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is from the law, and so on. Now, as I said, being in Christ was accomplished at salvation when we initially came to him. He came to us, however you want to say that. Another thing you see in the scriptures is this. Is Christ formed in you? Now, that's something different. The one is fulfilled when we come to Christ. This is not fulfilled when we come to Christ. So I want to read a verse here. You see here. Well, we'll read two. First in 1 John. You can hold your place. Well, we're not going to be in Philippians. We're going to go to Galatians. But in 1 John, chapter 3, verse 24, now he who keeps his commandment, and that's presently, we do that. He who keeps his commandments. Now, who's he talking about? He's not talking about all Christians necessarily. He's talking about the ones who are keeping presently his commandments. He who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. You see that? So something must be done on my account for him to dwell in me. And what I believe John is saying is what we're going to see now in Galatians. Turn there, Galatians 4, verse 19. Paul says, now these were Christians who were in Christ, my little children from who, for who I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Now that is in the subjunctive mood, which means this is in the realm of possibility where Christ is, the verb is, is formed. That is possible, but it's not necessarily a sure or guaranteed thing. See? So, that's what I'm saying. Christ being formed in the Christian is going to take certain things. I like the Amplified because the Amplified says Christ would be completely and permanently formed. And formed is passive, by the way. In other words, it's the Spirit of God that does that work. So, it's not that the Holy Spirit does not want to form everyone, every Christian. It's that not every Christian is moving on. They're not, not every Christian is where they ought to be in the Lord, in their walk, in their life, for certain things to transpire, for that to occur. It's not everybody's... You can come to church, you can sit in church for years years and you can be in Christ you can die and you can go to heaven but that does not necessarily mean that Christ is being formed in you I mean, he wants to be formed in you and I believe that there are churches that are filled with Christians who are in Christ but Christ is not being formed in them for various reasons maybe their manner of living They put on an act when they're in church, and when they leave, they go and they do what they want. They sin, they they habitually sin, they get involved with all this other stuff, and Christ can't be formed in them. So now that the Christian is in Christ, how will Christ be formed in them? Well, I'm going to tell you, that's not a 10-step program. You can't list on the board, okay, Now, this is how Christ is going to be formed in you. This way, this way, this way, this way, this way. You know, there is no map, so to speak. But there are various things in the Bible that will will help us. And we'll see, for example, faith mentioned. You'll see obedience mentioned. You'll see faithfulness. We are to be faithful. You'll see that. You'll see... Uh, dealing, and I've taught about uh, functioning under kingdom principles. You see that in the gospel. Uh, being led of the Spirit. You see all these different things in various places. So the, the Spirit of God will take that, whatever He's dealing with in your life. Maybe it's obedience. Maybe it's you're walking in the Spirit. Maybe it, you're not functioning under certain kingdom principles. Whatever it may be for the individual. The Spirit of God will come and begin to deal with them and begin to work on them in order to have them move in a certain way, a certain direction, so that the forming of Christ in them will not be hindered. See, I can hinder that. If I go my own way, if I am not sensitive to the Spirit and watching, if He's kind of showing me, okay, this is what, what you need to do, this is where you need to go. And so if, if I'm not with him, then I will end up hindering the formation of Christ in me. See, That's why that's in the subjunctive mood. It's possible for Christ to be formed in us, but it's not a guaranteed thing. Other things must transpire on an individual basis, on an individual basis. That's why I said there is not a 10-step program here. You must follow the Lord in your life. You must walk with Him personally. You must ascertain what He wants from you at any given time and all of that which is involved in your Christian walk. All the times it gets difficult, we must walk with Him. For Christ to be formed in us. Because that is not a fulfillment like being in him is. So that is dependent not about, you know, everybody wants to say it's God, God, God. It's not dependent so much on the Lord as it is on the individual Christian. For this to be fulfilled, you must walk with him. So we'll experience love Goodness, we'll have tests, we'll experience relationship. See, this is the launching point in Christ, where we start. And we can move into a deeper walk, and we can finish the course successfully. Remember, just finishing the course isn't what's important. It's how you finish the course. And we can finish the course in Christ and having Christ formed in us and having a deeper walk with Him and having certain things accomplished in us maybe that were not accomplished in other Christians because they went their own way. They did their own thing. They did what they thought rather than what the Spirit of God wanted for them. So Christ being formed in us, that's something, that's something different now. So you, you must... Walk, and I, I keep on saying that, walk with Him, because I can't tell you in your own personal life what you will have to go, go through, what you will have to do in order to have that be fulfilled where the, there you have the, the formation, as, as I said, the Amplified says where Christ is formed completely and He's permanently formed within. Now let's turn to First Timothy. And I'll just kind of bring this into the picture before we move on. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Now, I'm going to read it, and I'm going to go back, and I look some of these words up in various lexicons, and I'm going to inject some of the, the word meanings for, for them. Now, the end, this is the King James says, now the end, the New King James says, Now, the purpose, the end, the purpose. Now, the end of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. So the word end there means aim. Now, the aim of the commandment or the goal of the commandment or the final result of the commandment is love, uh, that is agape, or you could say the end, or the goal, or the aim of the commandment. And the word commandment can mean message, it can mean instruction, it can be communication, whatever is being said or communicated, not the commandments. But the end of the message, see, what is the message of the Spirit to me, you know, now, uh, next week, next month? What, what, is, what is the message that I am uh, receiving, however that comes, you know, here, at home, at work, whatever? There's a communication of the Spirit, see. The end or the goal or the aim of that communication is agape or um, is dedication. See, you're my dedication. You're my sacrifice. Your or my will deciding correctly. See, so the Lord has something in view. There is a goal, an aim for the communication, and that is to place us, he says "Love lot, to, to place us in a a way where we are dedicated to Him, to where we will sacrifice for Him. See, that's the goal. Because if the Lord can line that up in our heart and life, when we we hear the message, we're, we're dedicated to Him. Oh, I don't like what He's communicating. I don't like this. I don't like that. Or it's so difficult. Being dedicated, if He can get that lined up in our life, we're dedicated to him, no matter what, fully, to, to the, 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 as most as po- possible for my life. Now he has something to work with to take us from being in Christ to having Christ formed in us. See, That's the, the purpose, the end, the aim, the goal of the communication to you in your life, to, to get you ready, to take you somewhere. See, we're talking about the realm of the Spirit here. He's going to take you somewhere. I'm writing it on the board, but you understand. The kingdom of God is within you, and he wants Christ to be formed in you. Now, verse 14, we'll just read it. Paul goes down through different things here. He says, and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant. He's talking about him, his personal life that the grace was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. See, that's where they are, in Him. And if you're in Him, you have available this abundant grace, not just to squander it in your life, but to take you somewhere, to take you from where you start, the launching point, to another place in Him, to where He can be formed in you. Now go to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 14. To which he called you by our gospel. Now Paul is, is talking to the Thessalonian church. He's saying that he, Christ, has called you by our gospel. Why, Paul? What was the purpose they were called? What was the purpose you and I were called? Well, he's saying in this context for what he's dealing with here, he says, for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word attaining means to that you would acquire the acquisition of the glory to obtain to possess like we start to possess the glory. And remember in Ephesians it says that Jesus is going to present her the church to himself a what? Glorious. A glorious church. He just doesn't throw that word in there for no reason. One of the <coughs> qualifying factors for the bride is having the glory of God. He present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle. So we are to obtain, as it says here, the glory of the Lord. So whenever you first come to the Lord and you're in Christ, there, there is a, a portion, a small portion of the glory that you, that you, uh, you receive there. But that is just a starting point for what God wants to have, for you to have in your life. Now, go to chapter 1. I'll read this verse. Well, I guess we can just read it. Chapter 1, verse 10. Paul says, When he, Jesus, comes in that day, now listen to this, to be glorified in his saints, to be glorified in you and be admired among all those who believe. So he says this, in chapter two about obtaining the glory then backing up he talks about when the lord will come to be glorified in his saints now i don't believe that's going to be an instantaneous thing that he's going to do at that time he's going to be glorified in those who have been receiving or obtaining the glory of god that's going to be he's going to say, oh there it is so you, i'm going to be glorified in you look at he'll lift the veil of flesh there you are the glory that is in you, because you have walked with him. Because you have walked with him. Because you have said, I will serve the Lord. I will do what he wants me to do. Oh, the glory. Nobody sees that now. Now, there's something here that's mentioned that I think is just, it, it for me, it's like way out there. I mean, I don't even, I don't like, I don't understand it. I mean, I, I believe it, but let's just continue to read here. Therefore, verse 11, Therefore we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling. So there are Christians that really are not worthy of their calling because of their manner of living. They have not taken the Lord serious in their life, and they have not left off their sin to you know, continue on with him. Uh, They're more interested in maybe their own theology, holding on to that, rather than having the Lord bring them from dead theology to sight, that he would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. Now listen to this. This is just incredible. That the name... Or if you look the word name up in the Strongs or wherever, you'll see one of the meanings is character. That the character of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. That's basically what he's saying, the glory from verse 10. Now, this is amazing. And you in him. What? What? Am I reading this right? Yeah, I'm reading it right. That the character of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you, and that you may be glorified in Him. What does that mean? That you, and the you is, I believe, conditional. It's not you, everyone is included. Paul, when he says certain things is talking from the perspective of those who have walked with God. Enoch walked with God. In the the epistle of John, if you read the first three or four verses, John uses this, and we, and we, and we. The we doesn't mean every single Christian. It's those who have come into certain things that know and see, and he brings the declaration that they would know and see and hear. I'm, I'm, I'm sad to say this, but not all believers come into certain things. It's sad, it's available, but they just don't press forward for whatever reason. I mean, there can be something that comes into our life that can turn us out of the way, or put it this way. Not to where we're going back into the world and you know, living like we did before, but it may turn us enough to miss his will or his purpose in our life. Well, we're still Christians. Yeah, we'll go to heaven. But what about all this other stuff here? Christ being formed in you and you being glorified in him. See, I think this here is something that is far down the road as far as our walk. Or put it this way. If the Lord can accomplish certain things in our life, we will be brought into certain places in the realm of the Spirit that are even past Christ being formed in us. We'll just be functioning in certain things, and there'll be a quality of life in us that we didn't have when we first came to the Lord. But see, that's just not automatic. You're not going to get certain things, like as Brother Butler said in the in the bargain basement. The five and dime. No, certain things are going to cost us, but the price we pay is not going to be too much compared to what we're going to get. So we have to keep that in mind. Now let's move on to Ephesians, and Lord, I hope you open our eyes today. I'm praying. I'm praying you open our eyes, Lord. Ephesians 3. I was reading over these Ephesian scriptures here in chapter 1 and chapter 3. And what I was seeing was that the Lord has has placed these things out there for the Christian. And as I was thinking about that. This came to mind, being in Christ, Christ being formed in you, and so on. And as I'm reading this, I I was beginning to see something here. Now, I don't know if you're going to see this or not. Uh, I mean, I'll try to make this simple, but it's not simple. It's only only simple if we go from the light to sight. That's the only way it's going to be simple. Verse 16, chapter 3. That he would grant you... Let me just read this and we'll come back. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And so on. So let's go back. That he would grant. Now, it's not that the Lord does not want to do this, it's that he cannot do this with certain individuals. And as I said, it depends on the lifestyle, it depends on you know whether we're going to to walk in his will and walk in his way and, and all that. It depends on a lot of different things. But it's not that he doesn't want to. But this is optative mood, and this is only mentioned two times, and it's mentioned two times in Ephesians, and eventually in, in the language it moved over to subjunctive mood. But in here, it's optative mood. And I want to read, optative mood means that you can express a wish, a desire or a wish, but it also is the strong, this is expressing the strongest possible desire in which the completion of such is doubtful. So Paul is is saying, I I, I really wish, I'm praying, that this occurs in your life. But in using that mood, that Greek mood, he's saying that this is going to be doubtful, that, that all Christians are going to come into this doubtful. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. And remember, we are to obtain the glory. To be strengthened, and that's, that is a strengthening from Him. See, He wants to strengthen you and I so that we can move from in Christ to Christ being formed in you and maybe to you being glorified in Him. That you would be strengthened with might, dunamis, to perform some function or action, dunamis, power, through His Spirit in the inner man. In the inner man. Not to do the miracles, but this is he's talking about something in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, I believe that's dealing with Christ being formed in you. So that, okay, this is this is the possibility now that Christ would be formed in you by faith, walking with Him. That you, being rooted and grounded in love. My version says, and I believe the King James also says, that you may be able to comprehend. But the word comprehend means to possess. It means to lay hold of. That you and I may be able to lay hold of. That's a middle voice verb, which means that you and I do it for our own benefit. That we would be able to lay hold of with all saints what is the width, the length, Here, what is the width, the length, the depth? And to know the love of God, a knowing. So I believe Paul is saying that there is this area that we can experience, but he's doubtful that many will because of the optative mood. Doubtful. And it's not that the, it's not, this is not up to the Lord. It's not the Lord holding us back. It's not it at all. It is his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now go to chapter 1. Now listen, I'm going to teach as I teach. I'm not going to try to make a special effort to make it simple. Even if I did, it wouldn't matter. You know that? It's not going to matter. Well, you know, that's too, I can't understand this, I can't understand that. Well, that's okay. It's not about you understanding it in your mind. It's about you seeing something. It's about you experiencing something in the Lord. Well, I don't understand this, what you said. That's okay. It's not about that. Just open your hearts to him, the Spirit of God. We're dealing with the spiritual realm. Chapter 1 verse 17. Well, maybe I'll back up here. Yeah, let's go back to 13. See if you can see this. In him. Did you see that? You looking here? In him? In him, in Christ. Okay. In him, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. See the gospel gospel can be preached, but it doesn't mean you see "...in whom, also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers." Why is Paul praying for the Ephesians? Now he's going to tell you. And now he's going to use the optative mood again. Now this is very significant. Very significant. Because this should open our eyes to something. That not everything is automatic. And we need to lay down our life. We need to walk with him if we are going to acquire and possess that which he has in the kingdom. So he's making mention, mention of them in his prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give. And, and then he says what, he, what he's saying that, that they may receive. But once again, this is the strongest possible desire in which the completion of such is doubtful. In everyone. In, a, not every, in other words, he's saying not not everyone is going to be able to come into this. That he may give to you not wisdom and revelation, but the spirit of, see, that's something different. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him or in the connection to him to give us wisdom and revelation in our knowledge of Him or our connection to Him in relationship so that we would be able to move out from where we started to a deeper place than we have ever experienced before. And as I said, this is in the realm of possibility, but he says that it's doubtful that all that he's addressing, that those that he's addressing, they will come into this. So in a given assembly, you will have those who will come into certain things in spirit, and you will have others who will not. Now, I'm not talking about biblical knowledge. That's not it. I'm teaching, but what I'm teaching is not biblical knowledge. This is dealing with the realm of the Spirit. You will have those who will not come into certain things for various reasons. And that is why it's so important for us as Christians to allow the Lord to open our eyes to certain things, So that we can direct our steps the way we should. Verse 18 that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. In other words, that you would start to see. To see what? Well, see in spirit, in the spirit realm, what the Lord is applying to you in your life now. What's going on with you now? Where are you now? What direction does He want to take you now? That you would be enlightened. That you may know what is the hope. You hear that? The hope. He's hoping that I move along with him. He's hoping that I fulfill his will. He's hoping that I have heard his call and have answered and I'm walking with him. That you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches Of His glory. We're coming back to that. You see this intertwined in a lot of these verses. Of His inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward you who believe? According to the working of that. The working of that mighty power in your life to take you further on to take you to a deeper place, to take you into places and things you have not seen and you have not experienced, to move you further on. So church can be a very good place because the Lord can open your eyes to something in church. not about something about somebody next to you. I'm talking about opening your eyes so you're seeing something that can help you in your walk with Him that can take you along the right line with Him. So now when I look at these Ephesian scriptures, I was looking at them this morning, I see that he's praying for this church, this new church, these Ephesians. And he says that they are in Christ. But now he's praying that they would go further He's praying, he prayed uh, for the Galatians that Christ would be formed in them. They would begin now to, to branch out, so to speak, or to move out in the kingdom, move out, experience certain things, move out and move into that which the Lord has provided for them and to find that which is hidden, to discover that which the Lord has placed there for you, for me. So let us not sit on our laurels, so to speak, and say, well, I'm a Christian. I've come this far, and okay, I'm kind of satisfied where I am. There is a lot more going on, and there's a lot more the Lord has for us. So let us move out and obtain, by the Spirit of God, that which he has provided and let us come into possession of that which He has for us in our life. Scripture has said, Rivers of living.